Hi, and welcome back to the Swell Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, but you can call me Swell. Here on the Swell Shenanigans Podcast, I like talking about all things pop culture, social media, and shenanigans. And yes, we are officially back from a hiatus. I know. You guys didn't even fully know I was going on hiatus. I hadn't planned on taking more than a month off. I really hadn't. And then suddenly it was six months. I don't have an excuse. Um, But basically... This podcast is not coming back on a week-to-week basis. It's going to have episodes when I have episodes. The main point of the hiatus was that I was not comfortable with the solo episodes, and I really like talking with guests. So when I have a guest, you will have a podcast episode. Today, my podcast guest is my friend Renizuo, and he is an artist. He does NSFW art, but he is a digital artist. And I wanted to bring him on because he DM'd me a while ago. He was like, hey, can I come on your podcast and complain about AI art? And I said, absolutely. That is the perfect, that is how I want people to reach out to me about coming on my podcast. Tell me exactly what you want to come on and talk about. Let's do it. Ren and I had a really great conversation about a bunch of different facets of the AI art monster that is just festering below the surface of the tech world, the art world, the personal finance world even. I think Ren and I had a really great conversation for a variety of reasons, but we approached it from different perspectives and came away with a lot of the same conclusions. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ren. All right. So I have already made a YouTube video talking about my hatred of AI art. And I say that as someone who is not an artist in any real capacity, uh, because I just, I don't like the possibility of computers in general or programs taking over the world. And it's one thing already to think about the abject horror of them taking over jobs in general and like ruining the job market. But then for them to go and cannibalize art is where I draw, I I drew the line at the human rights violations. Now I'm just drawing the line at being tacky. (laughs) It's kind of like an existential threat within the art community in general. I mean, not just the specific art community that I'm in, but, you know, um, all art communities from what I've seen, especially when you have uh, so many of them that are basically operating under this opt out idea. It's like, oh, because Mm -hmm. you're on the internet, you're automatically part of our, our data. You have to opt out now. And that's, that's just, that's bananas to me. And to have that be a thing that we now have to run around and chase down on every platform and every site that we've ever posted on is obnoxious, you know, and like the two mm. biggest ones in art and uh, art station <laughs> when I'm trying to think about it, uh, the two biggest ones that they're very bad about it, you know, they're, and mm. I think DeviantArt, backpedaled on it. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I was on Tumblr. And again, I've, I've never been an artist. I've never posted on DeviantArt or anything, but you know, I was, you know, a, a lurker of DeviantArt. I was a consumer of DeviantArt. And uh, I remember seeing a pretty, it got pretty popular. It was a Tumblr post that said, uh, this band stole my artwork. Uh, and it was artwork that they had posted on DeviantArt. And it was like an album cover or something. And uh, it was like, I I remember the image in my head. I can't think of how to describe it, but it was then kind of discovered through that. Everyone was like, yeah, have you guys never read the terms and conditions of DeviantArt? They have the ability to sell anything you post on DeviantArt. And it just kind of became like 
I remember the platform was never the same after that. And that's from when I was in high school, if I'm remembering properly. Yeah. DeviantArt's terms and conditions is pretty weird. It's it's very, it's open, but it's like, okay, so that thing that originally they introduced that specific clause that you're talking about as a way to when they're promoting the DeviantArt site, if they have screenshots up and your art happens to be on that screenshot, they didn't want you coming after them. See, that part I understand to some degree. Like, it's kind of like, I'm a content creator. I go to events. It's not the same thing because my personal image versus art I create is two different things. But when I go to an event, I know there's a possibility I'm going to end up in marketing materials for future events if I'm at that event publicly. And so I understand that to some degree, my videos on YouTube even could be used to advertise YouTube in the future. And I might not see a dime of that. To some degree, I understand that because it's another way to kind of package the platform to look appealing to potential creators, users, artists, all of that. And that's that's originally what they kind of like when people originally raised alarms about it, they're like, oh, no, this is what it's for. And it was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, after like a little while after everything died down, that's when they started like digging into the nefariousness and they've only kind of proven that their values fall into that like spectrum because they were also uh, in the whole, you have to opt out thing. Like if your work is on DeviantArt, they're like, Oh yeah, we're just going to throw that into a, an AI thing. And it's good. Mm -hmm. It's fine. We, we technically own this because of our, the other clause from before. So really we don't even have to ask you the fine, fine print. (laughs) They're like, we really, we don't even have to ask you. We we don't have to even inform you. We're just doing this as a courtesy. And -hmm. because the community lost their shit, I guess they backpedaled on it, but legally, I don't know if they really have to. I think that was just something that they did to wait for everything to die down. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, all of these platforms, I think they realize I've talked about this a lot with on YouTube as well, is that these platforms most in general, whether it's social media art, what have you, there's two main groups. There's the users that consume the content or spend time lurking, interacting with the art, whether they interact with it by liking it or just scrolling and giving it page views. And then there are the creators that actually make art and upload new content to the site. And again, I'm using art and content interchangeably. I'm not trying to do that. I don't always like considering, I don't consider all art content. I don't consider all content art, just the reality of the situation. But uh, in the instance of how these platforms view what's on their platform, they see it all as content to get more money, whether it's from advertisers, users, the creators in general. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, they need to keep both groups kind of happy. And I think the AI art situation in general, and also just selling these databases, because that's what they're doing. They're not just handing this over for free. They're getting some form of kickback. It's data sales, regardless of whether it's oh, art or yeah. my birthday. These platforms, they, but you know, they're them back paddling. They know that they need to kind of keep artists happy to some degree so they can continue to make money from their usual day-to-day site operations. Yeah. Cause what it comes down to is that, I mean, all social media has this um, like attention economy thing. And the people who provide that stuff to put eyeballs on it, they're the product, you know, that is being sold or provided to everybody in general. But with art platforms, they have to walk a tightrope 
because it's like if you offend the people providing your content or providing your product, they're going to leave. And then mm-hmm. you don't have product anymore. You're an art site with with no art. It's just all Microsoft Paint art of, you know, Sonic Chew and <laughs> and uh, Dean and Sam Winchester from Supernatural uh, embraced. <laughs> like it's that's high art. All that. That's high yes, art. Exactly, exactly. That's the culture. That's what it is. Even it's interesting though because I guess even then publicly, what they say they're doing and what they are actually doing. How much do we actually know that they're like, okay, we're going to not sell our databases. We're only going to sell this one type of art because that's what they're looking for, for this particular AI. And so maybe they're not selling it as a database to all AI, um, like as an, an open database and essentially, but they're selling it privately to various AI companies potentially, or ones who are trying to train their AIs to, you know, learn, fill in a gap for a certain type of art, or maybe, hey, we have a lot of issues with hands, let's do a bunch of hand studies. And so any art that involves hands is suddenly like, very much a high commodity for these AI companies. I've been kind of going through a lot of the AI stuff, because initially, when it came out, I wasn't against AI in principle. Or uh, machine learning. Honestly, I wasn't either. I was I was fascinated by it, a hundred percent. I'm not against it in principle. I've played with it a little bit just to see what kind of like funny little stuff I can get out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I've even used some for like background elements because for mm-hmm. for my type of art specifically in like adult content. Providing super detailed backgrounds, not very important to people. So (laughs) just having something to fill that space. You can totally explain the type of art that you make, by the way. I've had my friend who is a literal OnlyFans model has been on this podcast. We can talk about literally whatever you want. (laughs) It's porn. It's it's porn. (laughs) That's how we do. Um, But the thing thing I've been – I've been trying to like both sides it. You know, mm. to try and be fair, because I, I try to think of myself as kind of like a, a fair person. I look at both sides of things. Um, it's a habit I have to get into with because I have I have kids. And when kids have a conflict, you obviously have to take time with each side. <laughs> so I've been trying to think of like good uses. And the thing you mentioned, hands, mm. Mm-hmm. That's a great use because one of the big things about AI is it provides uh, a certain level of access for artists that did not exist before. And I mean, more so than Google, like before Google, early 90s, 80s, even Disney was having trouble f- finding references for certain things because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Bambi, Snow White, we'll bring a friggin' deer into the studio because we have that kind of money. But for other things, more esoteric things, like how do we animate Ariel's hair in The Little Mermaid? And what they did is they went and got footage of female astronauts and how their hair moved around. They're like, yeah, close enough. But that was a gate that wasn't, that was locked. Deep space is the same as the deep sea and deep space. (laughs) I mean, for all intents and purposes, sure. (laughs) So, I mean, that's... That's a tightly locked gate to most artists. They don't have that option. So once you have the internet, suddenly they're like, oh, I I have a very specific thing that I need to find out what it looks like to make it convincing. And so they can go look. And you have artists who don't have any, like when I was a kid, I didn't have any art school. 
I was, mm. I grew up in like rural Maine, away from everything, nothing at all. So everything I had to figure out on my own. And for most of that time, I didn't have the internet. I had nothing. So I kind of languished away in kind of this area where I couldn't improve. And then once I started being able to gather these references, so yeah, it's, that is a good use of that AI is as a teaching tool. Or mm-hmm. um, if you if you had enough work of your own to feed into it as the sole uh, uh, sample list, if you were generating things entirely off of your own work, that would be interesting too, because it's like, what is... What do other people see? What does this machine see when it looks at the whole body of my work? And what can that tell me? What can that teach me? But that's a short list of good things that I've come across. Um, Most of the good things that people say about AI are like, the whole thing is a grift from top to bottom. I mean, I Mm -hmm. know that's like a big statement to make. No, you can make it. I routinely say that the tech bros are like the men's MLM. Crypto is an MLM, 100%. Like this, it's so, uh, Moist Critical put it well by saying that all crypto companies need to be treated as scams until proven otherwise at this point, because it's just, there's too many rug pulls, there's too many scams, all of it. I wrote wrote down a quote from... Mid journeys, they have a section 10 of their terms of use, right? Mm-hmm. This is why it's like, this is a great example of why this is a grift because mm-hmm. in their section 10 of their thing, limitation of liability, they specifically say, if you knowingly infringe someone else's intellectual property and that costs us money, we're going to come find you and collect that money from you. In their terms of use, meaning that they're acknowledging it's it's a tacit acknowledgement of how flimsy the learning claim is because like, oh, this was for learning yeah. and for for research. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that they're infringing on stuff and they've made available the means to do so for everybody. And they're like, oh, but we're going to take take it out of your ass if someone comes for us. <laughs> they're going to tie you up and take it out of your ass. OK. <laughs> <laughs> so mid journey, I have not played around with it at all. Um, but is that one of those platforms where you can feed it yourself or is it one where it's already feeding and then you're just typing in the dialogue that you want it to generate for you? So I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. So you've got the way they've done this also makes it hard to distinguish things because you've got okay. the kind of like the root, the source code thing. And then you've got the individual apps, right? Now, the individual apps have like a different niche, like the one that lets you put your face in there. But the code underneath it is the same as this other app over here that's for some other niche. But a lot of it is the same. There's a few of those apps that they look like they're competitors to each other, but they're owned by the same people. So that's another like crazy ass thing on its own too there's a big ai umbrella and we're all doomed basically (laughs) the fact that they have something in their terms of service that shifts that responsibility of copyright violations specifically to the users rather than the people who provided all of the tools is is Mm -hmm. wild and it's to me it's crazy that so a lot of the ai stuff this Mm. is the part that really bugs me is it's all them wanting to have their cake and eat it too. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll provide one thing saying, oh, 
uh, we took all of this stuff specifically for research purposes, specifically to uh, to to work on the programming, just research purposes, right? Which is fine. You can you can do that, but then they turn around and then they sell it. You buy memberships, you buy product from them, you buy server time or whatever it is that they're each individual one is selling, and they're mm-hmm. they're they're turning a profit on this. This is a huge industry that's just coming out of nowhere and they're churning out tons of these AI apps. And it really just looks like, you know, they're like, Oh, it's just for research, but also we're making money, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's, they want to have that sort of out that, uh, ethical out of, Oh, we're just, Oh, we're just learning. We're just researching. It's all fair use, but then that's not what they're doing. They're saying one yeah. thing, they're doing another. It's a very difficult thing to articulate. Well, you, you brought up fair use and it this whole thing, like that whole uh, wolves come after you if we get sued. That makes me think that there's a sort of goal in the future for some of these these uh, programs like MidJourney or these platforms that are going to kind of go the YouTube route with like, say, Safe Harbor for copyright law where YouTube basically is protected by Safe Harbor, where it says, like, we are just the platform. We are not responsible for what every single individual user uploads because we cannot possibly be on top of every Mm -hmm. single video that every user uploads. Once it is brought to our attention, we handle it. And that protects them from, say... um, a YouTuber who's just uploading reaction videos. I'm using a real example. A reaction videos uh, of, say, full episodes of anime, unedited, nothing's being added. It's barely fair use, okay? And the uh, studio says a mass copyright claim on the channel, and basically all the videos get taken down, and the YouTube channel is terminated. If YouTube does not listen to that, then YouTube and like they reinstate the videos or they reinstate the the channel or whatever, then they are in violation of safe harbor. And then YouTube is open to live uh, to I'm blanking on words is open to a lawsuit or potential backlash for violating safe harbor. And then they're no longer protected. Obviously mid journey, like you're saying, it's a very new industry and it's kind of like so much of these industries is so new. So the laws can't catch up enough. And so who knows how copyright is even going to be applied to these um, these potential AR images because there are instances, and I talked about this in my video, there was one instance of an artist who very clearly was able to prove that someone had used her art to teach an AI to make art. And it was yeah. in some images shot for, like color. If you just broke it down to the yeah. colors, they were the exact same image. That's one of the big uh, things that I think that they'll hit on when it comes to you know, people regulating and legislating it eventually is going to be forgery and fraud. If someone decides that they want uh, a piece of art by Renazuo, they can go and download my gallery, plug it into this thing. And they're like, well, I don't want to pay him. I just want something that looks like it was done by him, which, you know, that's, it's not a real high demand thing, but whatever. Then they can basically take that and they can go, oh, now I have something from it, but let's take it one step further. I have this thing. And now I can just start claiming I am him. I can go online. I can start selling this stuff as if I'm him. Now, for small artists, that might seem like, oh, that's that's very silly. But a lot of the prompts that you see coming out of these, these programs and these apps is that 
people are specifically putting in artist names to get something that looks like it's in their style. And it's like big artists, people in the field who have been at this for a long time. That's one of the angles I think that they'll hit it from, you know, eventually if they do, because I'm kind of the opinion that some of these guys have absolutely no intention to see this through to the end. It feels like a gold rush. If, if I feel like they're trying to, move as much money as possible before the law catches up with them. And then as soon as someone comes down on them, they're just going to wash their hands of it and walk away because they've already pulled down millions of dollars off of just the shenanigans that they've pulled so far. You're expecting a AI art rug pull once soon as the law catches up, basically in the last few years, every major tech thing that's come out, from these, from this class of individual, I don't know what we're going to call them. Tech bros, I guess is, is always something where it's like, here's something that's going to revolutionize it. And then as soon as they got their bag, they're gone. And that's like, as soon as anyone decides like, Hey, maybe we need to look at these people a little more closely. They're just like, now nah, we're not even going to bother to contest it. You're right. We, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be doing this, but we're going to keep all the money we already made, which is enough to keep us mm-hmm. set for life. Cause remember everyone laws are not retroactive. Okay. So if something goes into place, it doesn't affect, you know, everything that was done five years ago, two years ago, six months ago, it doesn't affect that. So money that's been made up until that point whether it's now illegal or not, it's usually not retroactive. There's a term in the art community for what this is. They call it uh, data laundering. You know, when you take an image, when I open up Photoshop and I start drawing, you know, titties or whatever, that is a specific, you know, underneath that's data. It's it's code. I am I'm using a human interface, but it is code. It is data. And then someone takes that data, plugs it into their AI. That's a very f- like literal transfer of this stuff. I mean, we're, let, you put all the art stuff aside. That's someone taking something that I effectively coded in my own way. Mm-hmm. They're taking that code, lifting it, patching it to their thing and teaching their AI how to replicate that code, mm-hmm. how to, how to kind of like riff on that code. And because they go through this process, that's why people are calling it data laundering, because they're moving it through Mm -hmm. a semi-legitimate process. But there was theft at the front end of that. Is it kind of like, I'm trying to think of another way to explain it. Is it kind of like when you take a, when you, let's say you take a song lyric, run it through five or six versions of uh, rounds of Google Translate, and then put it back into English. And then being like, this is my whole new song. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you like, if you mixed it with a few other songs, like it, it just kind of like, oh, you know, I'd, it would be, yeah, it'd be kind of like that, which is interesting that you mentioned that the music industry has already taken measures to counter this. They've mm. already done things to sort of intercept this, this, this nonsense. And so you don't see a lot of that happening with music. You don't see a ton of music AIs coming out right now. You know, it's funny because I thought about this the other day because I remember a very specific commercial on Kiss FM years ago. And it was like, this song you were listening to is made by AI. This band does not exist. And it was like talking about a song that they had made from AI, recorded with AI, and that the band did not actually exist. And I've been trying to find it for weeks now because I was like, oh my God, I need to do a deep dive on this song. 
And it's like, I don't even remember. I don't remember what the song was. I don't remember what it was called, but it's like, when I think about it, I'm just thinking of, there's a song from, um, Oh my God. Uh, the song, I want to say it's called unsteady or something, but that's not the actual name of the song. That's just what I think of when I think of that song, I just start picturing the song unsteady and it's going to drive me insane until I figure it out. But yeah, I have, I always was like, Oh God, is this the future? Is this what we're dealing with? But that makes more sense now if I've never heard anything like that again. And I could be hallucinating all of this. I was in the deep throes of trauma at this time in my life. Do you, so who do you remember liking it? Do you remember actually liking the song? I remember being like, this is weird. Because I do think I was in college at the time. Because I was definitely in my car. So I was like out of high school at that point in time. Because I did not get a car until I was 19. And so it's mm-hmm. like, it's the the weird things that tell us how old we were at a certain time. But uh, this yeah. was definitely a few years ago. I, I'm, I'm going to have to do a deep dive. I'm going to find this song. It's going to drive me insane until I find it. If you find it, I want to hear it. I want to hear what, yes. what this AI song sounds like. I know. Now I'm like, it was just such a small snippet. And I kept thinking like, oh, they're going to play the song after this on the radio. And they never once did. But I heard it a couple of times. Like that commercial for it, which I just always thought was super weird. They might have got dinged. So, someone from the legal department yeah. might have called them up being like, hey, you can't. No, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. Because the music industry is on top of it. Uh, you mentioned earlier the fair use thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention that f- using fair use as a defense for – because a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's it's fair use. Uh, I remember seeing a discussion by a couple YouTubers – uh, on Twitter the other day, I won't drop names just because I don't want people forming weird opinions about that. They seem like nice guys, you know, but they were okay. they were having an honest debate about <laughs> oh, okay. it. What it came down to is they're like, oh well, you know, uh, because they compare it to their experience, like like you've been doing. But fair use is an affirmative defense, so they're basically saying that okay, so any copyrighted work, right, used in the preparation of adaptive work or or whatever must be authorized if it's not then you establish a, an affirmative defense of fair use but mm. to do that you have to basically relinquish your other defenses and acknowledge the fact that you were not given permission to use these things so it's like mm. you have to give up a certain amount of the arguments that they've been using in order to utilize that specific defense. And if that specific defense doesn't work out, you don't have another position to fall back to. You have that mm-hmm. position and that's it. That's your last stand. So I don't think they're going to jump right to fair use. Okay. I feel like that's going to be the Hail Mary. Yeah, because what I've seen is that by the time the art is done, the final product, any art that it has learned from has become so watered down, defocused, mixed up, collaged in a sense that it is hard to identify specific pieces from specific artwork and trace that back to specific artists. It's going to be difficult to prove those things. Some artists have had pretty good luck because they'll find like their signatures or they'll be like, here's my picture. Mm, yes. Here's the picture. You know, uh, some of them have been pretty lucky, but I think for the vast majority it would be very difficult. But again, I I don't know if it's going to come to de- defending anything because I think with how much these guys have been really pushing hard at securing investment and getting memberships and all that stuff, it feels like a rug pull is imminent. It, mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, it would, it would really suck, mm-hmm. but you notice how none of the big 
license holders for anything Disney, Marvel, DC, Warner Brothers, any of them. None of them have really weighed in on AI art. And they're, that's kind of weird to me because it makes it feel like I don't know if they're just waiting it out or if they mm. don't want to be the first person to step in or whatever. But it to me, that feels like them not acknowledging it in a way almost makes it less legitimate. That almost checks a box of like, this is a scam. Do you think that's why they're not getting involved in it is because there's no market research for it yet of whether or not it's one, acceptable, two, mainly profitable. I shouldn't say profit profitability would be first for these major studios and all of that. Do you think it could be that? Like they're worried about, you know, because especially when you talk about, let's say Disney, like there's already the discussion that some of their more recent properties have become slightly soulless in their you know, attempts to recreate live action stories that have already become popular over the years and the essential watered down process of remaking your own IPs until you're basically out of new ideas because you've copied yourself so much. We call it design by committee and mm. uh, design by committee sucks ass because <laughs> you can tell. You can yeah. tell immediately when something went through too many edits. I remember when all of that stuff for Sony got leaked and you saw the emails mm. going between people. And uh, yes, I know exactly. Uh, I think it's Amy Pascal, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, I remember seeing some of the suggestions that she made for like the Venom movie and for Spider-Man movies. And I'm like, mm -hmm. this bitch doesn't have a creative bone in her body, but because mm -hmm. she's, you know, an executive, Everyone has to be like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, we'll totally include that. And we have to, you know, make good on a certain percentage of that or we or we're going to look like assholes or we're going to get fired. And mm -hmm. uh, you can always kind of tell when something's been through that process, when some executive, some suit who thinks that they're a creative genius interjects. And a lot with some of the stuff that they've been doing lately is, you know, just throw it like checking off boxes for inclusion mm -hmm. rather than having mm -hmm. any sort of genuine inclusion, you know, any sort of yes. genuine, they're just like, Hey, uh, let's just, and the thing that really gets me, this is like a little aside, a little peeve of mine. The do characters it. they replace are always the redheads mm. when they, when they <laughs> do a reboot and they introduce a black character out of nowhere or whatever, it's the redhead that mm -hmm. got replaced. Mm -hmm. That's that's ginger erasure right there. No, not really. Okay. That's a joke. No one take that seriously. <laughs> I understand. That's a joke. I understand. <laughs> that's a joke. No, that is a but that is a discussion that you know uh, black creatives as well as had the discussion of like what is with the you guys replacing redheads with the black characters? Like what is going on? Like that is a discussion that has been had. Uh, so. It's not one that I can partake in because I am part of zero either group. I'm not part of neither group. <laughs> it's not something that really offends me. It's a joke. Like when yes. they when they changed out like Mary Jane in the new Spider-Man stuff, oh, I was yes. like, <laughs> but it's like it's like faux outrage. It's it's not yeah. real. I promise anyone who's listening. You just like to be included in the outrage. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes as a white guy, I feel a little left out. You know, I just want to be I just want to be part of the group. You know, I mm. want to be part of it too, but don't type angry comments to Amanda. All right. That's <laughs> why don't. did you have this man on your podcast? I've definitely, I feel like I've definitely had more inflammatory comments made on this podcast before. <laughs> that man's um, a villain. Why would you have him on there? No, but uh, do you classify yourself as a digital artist? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. In that regards, how do you feel about the uh, fine arts fair competition where uh, someone entered AI art into the digital arts category and won $300? So interesting thing about that that person doesn't own that art as per the process and everything else that all the stuff that's laid out in the license terms you don't own the art that was mm-hmm. produced using that app just the same way if if amanda commissions renazuo for mm-hmm. a picture of blue alien space dicks <laughs> Amanda doesn't own that art unless there's a specific Mm. agreement in place where we're like, okay, Mm. yeah, as soon as I turn this over to you, it's all yours. It's not mine anymore. Mm. Um, But usually the the copyright holder is defaulted to whoever created the work. But if it's not Mm. a person, they don't own it. Do you remember that monkey that took a picture of it? Yes, I talked about the monkey lawsuit. I talked about this last year. Uh, I talked about yep. this when it came to uh, companies ripping off content creators. Um, specifically, I talked about a lawsuit that I believe is still ongoing um, where a brand worked with an influencer and then for one paid post. And then they did, they went back through her Instagram by four years and used a different one of her Instagram photos in an ad in a store. And so she had to sue them because they weren't going to pay her. And so I brought up the monkey lawsuit because I bring up any opportunity to use the monkey lawsuit. But in case you don't understand the monkey lawsuit, anyone, a photographer had his camera out and a a monkey actually took a selfie with the camera basically when he was uh, on assignment. And so he tried to uh, publish the artwork, sell it, all this stuff. And PETA got involved <laughs> and basically As they do. said, <laughs> yeah, they got involved on behalf of the monkey and uh, said that the monkey uh, was being exploited, that his art was being stolen. His photograph was being stolen. <laughs> and they went to, I believe, uh, that state Supreme Court, in which case it was declared that a monkey did not have the ability to claim copyright i believe the same thing basically applies here you know those Mm. even if that i mean there's so many degrees in copyright law that separate that person's end product from that person Mm. because Mm. they don't um not only do they not own the the stuff that fed the ai not only do they not own the ai (laughs) there's no part of them in there that actually confers any measure of ownership to them. So that guy who basically, because uh, I I went to school originally for um, fine art and then digital art and animation and stuff like that. So the guy who entered into this contest with AI art and is like, that's my art, should have been disqualified immediately because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. who actually made that piece of art. It wasn't him that made that art. But I mean, he did mm-hmm. that probably at a time when people really didn't understand what they were dealing with. More and more people are starting mm-hmm. to understand, despite the fact that these, if you you make any sort of comments against AI art, machine learning, you'll get a bunch of people popping up 
being like, oh, you know, this is a wave of the future. Uh, oh, yeah. My comment section is like, you keep saying this, you keep saying that. And then someone straight up said, it's like, well, you know, right now the video you're uploading is being used to train an AI. And I was like, cool. Tell me where. I don't consent to this. I own this piece of media. Tell me who is feeding this piece of media to an AI. But even then with that artwork as well, um, on the submission, he said that it had been created using AI art. But on the actual uh, image, when it was blown up and put on the wall for the judges, that had not been disclosed that it was created using Midjourney and all this other thing in another platform, I believe. A lot of these guys that come out of the woodwork just out of nowhere to try and like to explain this to you, assume that you don't know what this process looks like. And I've had it happen to me like I'm I'm not a huge artist, but I've mm -hmm. been doing this for a long time in one capacity or another. And mm. yes, I know it's like, this is, I, I paid an exorbitant amount of money to get my degree. Mm. I know a little bit about this, you know, not, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a professional, but something, you know, a little, and they just assume that all artists are either greedy, stupid, or stupid and greedy. <laughs> it's it's weird because I feel like I don't know if it's the rise of I'm not criticizing STEM majors. I want to make that very clear for everyone listening. But like it seems like there's such a lack of empathy is not the right word, but like I don't know, understanding of humanity of other people. Like I'm sorry. I like seeing humanity in work. I like reading something and feeling that someone cares about what they're doing or looking at a piece of artwork and knowing that someone took time to do the colors exactly how they wanted it and took the care that it took to make that artwork. You know, same goes with digital art. The time it takes to go into a digital art piece is crazy. And so the fact that everyone's just like, oh, well, this is better. This is the future. You're just butthurt because you can't make money off of it. No, this is, there's like a weird, like almost like implied hatred of humanity now it's like oh this is more profitable this is better because it's a machine that can be perfect and it's like what's wrong with a flaw what's wrong with something not being perfect that's an interesting thing too because there's an argument in here that some people don't acknowledge and i saw a great twitter thread for it and i i had to like I've gone over it a few times. I've read some articles. It's an interesting angle and I never see anyone talking about it. And that's that it's uh, a uh, it's a class issue. It intersects with, mm -hmm. with class and how that works mm -hmm. is the AI being introduced is not for the mm -hmm. betterment of humanity. It's not Star Trek. You know, <laughs> we don't have all of our basic needs taken care of where we can just screw around, step into a holodeck and spontaneously have something created out of nothing and it's fine. Yeah. You know, we don't have that. This AI is a profit motive initiative. Mm -hmm. Someone didn't go in and be like, hey, let's see what how we can do this transhumanism. Let's let's push the boundaries. No. It's it's a mm -hmm. and it's specifically to cut costs and where do companies like to cut costs on their employees. Um they either want their employees to get a hold of a tool that will allow them to increase their output intensely without having to compensate them more, or they want to get rid of those people entirely and save money by not paying them. So mm -hmm. it's, 
you know, and you'll get people like you were saying, oh, you know, it's progress. It's the way, way of the future. They kind of operate under this idea that progress is inherently good because it's mm. progress. And they don't at all mm. acknowledge the destination that we're progressing to. And that's, mm. you're talking about a major, a major societal upheaval that will occur if AI is allowed to replace too many people too quickly Mm -hmm. because those Mm -hmm. people no longer have jobs. They don't have an alternative. Mm -hmm. They don't have anywhere to go because AIs, Oh, look, there's an AI working at McDonald's. Now you just work, you know, there's a tablet, Mm -hmm. there's one person in the kitchen that hands the stuff to you and then you're good to go. So it's like, you don't have options and it's happening too quickly and no one has really considered what comes next. They're moving fast, but also it seems like the answer now, because it's the, it's, it's accessible now, which on one hand, I do like that a lot of these platforms are free ish, if not like a lower cost entry. Some of them are, are expensive. Some of the apps going around, they were, I remember, I think it was Lenza that was $3.99, which I was already pissed that people were paying for that. And then now it's like $7.99, which I do think is crazy. It's like, stop it. They know you're going to pay it. That's crazy. And now they own your shit. Yes. They learn, they teach, it's a whole thing. By agreeing to their license, you sign over all the media in your phone to those assholes. It's like at one point they recognized we can't keep just scraping stuff. We need to trick people into giving us permission by using our apps. It's insane. It's bananas. It's crazy to me as well, though, because it's just the answer for a lot of things now. Like, I can't remember what exactly it was. I think... uh, my management brought up the possibility of me doing a newsletter or something to like do like a weekly newsletter is like another way to get people like excited about my content or what I'm working on or random things I'm interested in, things like that. And it was either them or my dad who was like, yeah, and then you can use chat GBT to like fill in any gaps and like highlight for that for you. And I was like, okay, well, why is that the first answer? You guys know I'm a writer. You guys know I make all my own content at this point. I have never once mentioned using chat GBT to you. So why are you suddenly recommending <laughs> that I just use that as like, that's like the first option, not do the work, not do, put your heart into this, not make this something that you're proud of. No, make it easier on yourself by using chat GBT. And it's like, no, stop. What are you doing? That's a, another weird thing too, because I'm, I'm in uh, writing as well. I've done, I've written for games. I'm currently ghostwriting a couple books. Um, and it's like, there's no aspect of what I do for a living that isn't being threatened by a machine right now. It's very discouraging. Like I just sit there and I, st- I stare off into space, you know, eating chicken nuggets over the kitchen sink, wondering how things just got away from me so mm-hmm. badly. <laughs> yeah. It's... And the, it sucks because historically, the biggest motive for it, c- creating these new technological leaps in progression is 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 profit, you know. And that's mm-hmm. you know that's capitalism. Okay, yeah, you know that's mm-hmm. an incentive to make things progress, but it's always at the expense of like a working class. It's always some mm-hmm. asshole who's like, I don't want to pay all those assholes. I want to be the guy who keeps my money, but also gets all the good stuff 
that I would normally be paying for. How do I do mm. that? And so they come up with these ideas to kind of like extract wealth from mm. the working class and cut more people out of the process, which is another thing that I see people is like, oh, we're cutting out the middleman. It's not the middleman. It's not like these ideas exist in the ether and artists mm. pluck them from the heavens, charge you money to mm. deliver them to you. No, we came up with that. That's how yeah. shit. Like that's sorry. I'm I I get a little heated and a little ranty. No, you're it. good. I get I get heated over the dumbest of things, and this is like genuinely people's art and livelihoods involved. So I think this is totally a valid argument to get heated over. And watch this be. This is the first podcast episode back after a very much longer hiatus than was anticipated. And so I'm sure it's going to be a lot of people. It's like, wow, Amanda got very anti-progress in like six months. No, I'm not anti-progress. I have an issue with the current model of tech companies because we're seeing the issues with a lot of tech companies now with all these massive layoffs. Tech companies operate on a expectation of exponential growth. That is not yeah. sustainable in business. That's not sustainable in life. It's not sustainable in art. It's not sustainable in anything. And that's why I have a lot of issues with healthcare companies that are operating as tech companies because it's like yeah. patients are not like routinely replaceable. They're just not in any ways. Go ahead. With, with art, it's inherently unsustainable. You're absolutely correct mm -hmm. because, and that's another reason why I see them going so quickly is because I think they know that there's a like a, a, a point of no return. Mm -hmm. It's unsustainable because the pool, the sourcing pool, if they were completely successful in replacing a bunch of artists with these machines, the sourcing pool for those AIs to, to pull things gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it's just AIs sourcing AIs. And then you're going to mm -hmm. have tech bros fighting it out about stealing each other's code, assuming that it got mm -hmm. to that point. But at that point, once you have AIs sponging off of each other, now you've got a complete stagnation of work because these machines will not innovate anything. They're not going to get an idea. Mm -hmm. Someone is just telling them, produce something that looks like it came from so-and-so. It will get like harder and harder for any human being to enter that field without some sort of massive corporate backing behind them. All you will have is industry plants, everyone. You hear that? All you will be stuck with is industry exactly. plants. That's Do you the understand term me? That for. is the future we are moving forward. We are moving towards a, a, a future where the only art sourced by legitimate humans is actually sourced by companies and brands behind them via industry plants. Do you hear the, this is the future that tech wants you to have. <laughs> it would be the only way to cut through any of the noise. It would be the only way to introduce a new element into a massively stagnant pool and they would do it at a drip feed. It would be like, mm -hmm. okay, well, we're not getting as much money from this particular aesthetic. Let's introduce a new person as our new plant and we'll, mm -hmm. and it'll just be a drip feed of new content at that point until they, you know, and it's just going to be about getting money from you without them thinking at all about like, where do the people who pay us get their money from? Cause eventually there's, that's going to be a question. If our society keeps barreling forward on replacing every human in the process with a machine, <laughs> where are you going to get the people with the money to pay for the thing that you're trying to sell to them? Well, according to Elon Musk, we will have to go to Mars to harvest the humans that he will be growing there. So 
<laughs> I'm kidding. He's not growing humans. He just wants billionaires to go and be able to say that they lived on Mars. That's what he wants. <laughs> I think the the reason why we haven't seen what I would consider like a successful pushback on this mm. is because a lot of artists have a tendency to get emotional. It's the it's not like oh they're irrational. It's that the creative part of your brain is on that sort of emotional side. So these are people who are predisposed to kind of wearing their hearts on their sleeves or leading with their feelings. They can tell you something doesn't feel right, but they can't quite explain it. And mm -hmm. it's basically them trying to shoot down people who use the other side of the brain that's kind of like, oh, well, you know, that I don't see what you're so upset about. Why are you so upset? Oh, I would lose my <laughs> mind. That's just that's when I punch you. Okay, that's <laughs> that's where. As someone who uh, operates, I, I try to operate on both sides. Um, I was raised by two people in sales, so I don't have much of a choice. Um, even though I consider myself to be a creative, I am not above just ending the conversation in one fell swoop <laughs> of my arm. <laughs> it's hard to are. It's hard for a lot of these people to articulate to these guys like why there's such an emotional response. Like, why are you so emotional? It's mm. like, well, because it's a violation. A lot mm. of what artists do, whether it's high art or just producing smut or cartoons for kids, whatever, there is a, a, a high degree of that person's identity wrapped up in what they do. It's not just a recitation mm. of facts. It's not just a replication of technique. It's the choices that are made when you put pen to paper and it's it's the the things that you choose to omit you know like i can have someone that i look up to and i'll be like ah oh, but i don't like how they do eyes i'll do eyes my way bam you know mm -hmm. and the things that you like the things that you dislike people you look up to people that you hate things like that that's all like a factor of your lived experience so you go 20, 30 years of this creating stuff, and then some guy comes in and is like, oh, we're going to replace your work with a machine. It's not about the work. It's about me. It's about the human mm -hmm. behind it. And they're not seeing that. And I think most artists can't even articulate that because they don't quite understand what that is with that violation that they're experiencing. They just have a knee-jerk response and they, they run with it. Mm -hmm. But for any artist who's listening to this, that feeling that you're experiencing, that's what it is. You're feeling violated. And that's valid. I want to make that clear that you're allowed to get upset when you feel like you're an art form that you put your your heart, your mind, your soul into is being cannibalized for profit. You're allowed to be upset about that. And I want to make that very clear. I try not to get into the philosophical debates of it because some people are like oh it's not art if it's not made by human i try really not to get into the question of what is mm. or is not art especially because a lot of people will be like oh you do smut it's not really art but it's like mm. well give it 30 years and it becomes art because yeah. the smut produced in the 30s and the 60s is considered mm -hmm. art it's now. now high art yeah it's collectors it's it's considered Beautiful. It was beautiful then, but it's considered beautiful now and like, oh, this is classic art and all this stuff. But, you know, I agree with what you're saying on one front, but uh, as 
I don't, if when someone tells me they're an AI artist, I just laugh, you know, and I don't have a problem saying that. I don't think that if you type in a line of dialogue into, you know, a search bar and have click generate a couple of times that you are an artist that has created that image. And I will say that. I don't think that that's someone being an artist. Yeah, I, I think I could safely say that that person is not an artist, but I don't know if I could mm-hmm. say that the thing produced was not art, which is kind of a weird like nuance. That's a weird po- yeah, it's a weird pocket to be in. But also, you know, again, that does get into the philosophical question of, you know, what made that art? Because I don't know if you've what you how you feel about the art itself, but it does. Get, it, I know it's only getting better, but the uncanny valley of AI art still makes me very uncomfortable. All the extra. The, not even and... just that, but it just looks drippy. And it, it's weird because I love when paintings look drippy i love that style of art but in the the where i when i can't see the drips but it looks drippy that makes me uncomfortable with no drips yeah it it looks kind of liquidy it's just smeared on there the whole question of what is art and stuff like that is very like we even have when i was in school when i was in college for it we have a whole class dedicated to what is art and i thought that was a very stupid question but it's like they introduced the idea that, you know, someone hundreds of years ago can make a bowl for eating rice out of. You bury it in the dirt, you dig it up, and it's suddenly art. Like we've got things in mm-hmm. museums that are just like, oh, this is, you know, we've got statues, we've got, uh, you know, artifacts of the things people ate with. We got a doorstop, you know, we got it all. Look at all these great art- artistic artifacts and stuff. And it's like, but those were things that had a specific function at a time and they were made Mm -hmm. for function. There's, you know, a question of function follows form or form follows function, things like that. But like, these were very utility things. It's a fork. It's, it's a fork, you know, it's like, is it art? No, it's, I so once I had that class, I went from being very like firm on what is and is not art. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> As an artist, fuck if I know. I really don't. Mm. I so I try not to make that call, but I can safely say like you that a guy who puts a string of 13 words into a search mm. bar or a prompter, that guy's not an artist and uh legally he is not the artist that created <laughs> that. And within their terms of service he doesn't own that art and he can't actually sell it. So it's like in this process, you're literally nobody. Well, that's really all I had to talk about. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before I ask you to share a shenanigan? I try to, I try to hit this from the angle of class and economic legal and copyright ethical and philosophical and every angle that you hit it from. It's not a good thing. It's, And the fact that we don't have, we have an entire industry that's, that's burgeoning right now with absolutely no oversight, none Mm -hmm. and no regulation, nothing, no one coming in and, and refing. It's interesting to see because a lot of people will say, you know, oh, a completely free market free of government intervention is the, is the best thing. And we're kind of seeing it and it's not, it's inherently corrupt. And I I don't know. I, it's it'll be interesting to see how people look back on this 
in 10 or 20 years and it starts mm -hmm. being a discussion that people have decades in the future. Mm -hmm. Maybe if there's any people left, I don't know. We'll probably all be machines. Yeah. Megan will have come. The army of Megan's will have moved in and killed us all and cannibalized our brains. <laughs> so for a shenanigan. Yes. Did you, so you said a personal shenanigan. Define a shenanigan for me. So a shenanigan is quite literally anything you want it to be. As far as others guess shenanigans have been, it is something like a dumb story, a crazy thing you did. Um, we've had a lot of bird stories. My friend told me how she intentionally uh, committed shoplifting just to steal, I think it was condoms for her friend's birthday or something. Just like, it could be a crime. It does not have to be a crime. I would prefer it's not a crime unless the statute of limitations are up. Um, it could be something that you witnessed. It could be something that, you know, you just thought was silly that you, you know, wanted to share. It could be something that's heartwarming, but was also stupid. You know, it could be lit a shenanigan is however you define it. I think the only time I've ever stolen anything is actually by accident. Mm. And that's like, you know, you're at this, you're at the self checkout and it was specifically a time where I had meat from the deli. And they slap the sticker on it and it's got like four or five like barcodes on it and I'm scanning mm -hmm. it. I can't figure out which one needs to be scanned. So I throw it onto the thing and I'm like, I'll do that last. I'll save that for last. And I go through mm -hmm. everything else. And by the time I'm out of the store, I'm like, oh shit, I took that ham, <laughs> you know, or, or like, uh, you know, you have soda in the bottom of the cart and you think that the cashier is just. They're just going to come around and scan it. And usually they do. But then if they miss it, you get out there and you're like, oh, I forgot. Oh, it's right there. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't know. A shenanigan. A shenanigan. Something that was. So I'll tell you about a time that I, I kind of called shenanigans on something. Okay. I, I refer to that this as, as the Texas story. And it's why I, you know. So when I was a lot younger, when I first left home, I moved out to. Colorado from Maine. And I was doing a lot of like going back and forth whenever I could afford to do so. But at one point I had a layover in Dallas and I was running a little late for my flight. So I'm like, you know, booking it. I'm very inexperienced. I'm a, I'm a kid from Maine. I, the, it's as far as like the world goes, I don't have a lot of experience under my belt. And so I'm, I'm running, trying to get to my flight and I get there. It's been delayed. I'm like, oh, I was stressed for nothing. And these guys approach me. And they're like, hey, yo, we're going to have to check your bag. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? They're like, oh, this is a random security check. I'm like, what? why? And it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I see on the sign that it says, you know, you will not be checked beyond a certain point. So I'm like, well, the sign says, and the guy's like, well, I work here. I say this. And so things are getting heated. There's three of these guys and they're kind of like up around me and they do look like they work there, but I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. And so I'm like, look, I'm, you're not checking my bag. I've got, a, I've got a laptop. I've got expensive electronics. And I realized in retrospect, this is probably why I was approached because I was just decked out with this shit. And so I'm like, you're not getting into my bag. You're not checking anything. And one of them like looks me dead in the eye and he's like, is it because I'm black? What? And as, as a white kid from white Maine, I'm like, 
what? And I feel like he just played the Exodia on me. Like, I'm like, I have no idea how to respond to that at all. And now the three of them are like, they've all jumped onto the same, like they've latched on. They can smell the fear on me. And I'm like, and I don't do well in situations like that. When there's a fight or flight response, I tend to go on the side of fight. So they're getting like real up in my face now talking very loudly about me being a racist and a bigot stuff like that. I'm like, please, no, don't hurt me. Like just whatever. And I say to the guy stupidly, like I could have, I could have been killed that day. I look the guy in the face because I'm terrified. And I say, have you ever picked up your teeth with broken fingers? And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? I was like, think about it, genius. What does that mean? And before I get my ass kicked, some old white dude comes up and starts asking me like, hey, what's going on here? What's what's going on here? And I, I tell him the situation. He's like, oh, oh, so he he tells me to go wait over by a Taco Bell. And I'm just chilling. And I think, oh, I'm about to get arrested or something i'm about to tsa is gonna they're gonna they're gonna get out the glove and it's gonna be all over for me and guy comes over and he's like hey i'm really sorry about that those guys were out of line and it turns out they were just guys who load luggage onto the plane that's all they were and they were just fucking with me the whole time they were just screwing with me to see what i would do and you threatened and i'm like to punch their teeth out of their mouth and break their fingers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, my heart is beating out of my chest. I was about to throw hands with these guys because I was terrified. And it turns out like they were just, they're just fucking with me because I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on because I was so like, I don't know, unworldly at that point. How old were you at this point? 17, 18 something like that oh, yeah. i was i was very yeah. young it was and it was like we were just freshly in the post 9 11 world so all of this mm. stuff was like new territory and it's just a couple of kids who work in the baggage claim area whatever the hell just just fucking with me because they're on break it sucked and then it turned out that this whole conflict ended up making me late for my flight. The one oh, that had been delayed. That I would have been pissed. <laughs> I would have been pissed for that I was so part. mad. I was so mad. Like I'd managed to actually make the flight, but I was, I squeaked in at the last minute. I was, I was mad. I was terrified. I, mm. but yeah, that's my, that's my Texas story is that's the big shenanigan. <laughs> I'm glad it has a title. I'm always intrigued when stories have titles. Like this is the Texas story. I have a bunch of those actually. I have a bunch of like stories that and I don't name them. Other people who have heard the story name them. Like my wife will name them. That's even better. So, tell the tell the story about about the lawn chair. Tell that story. And it's like <laughs> And sometimes I have to be reminded I'm like what are you talking about? <laughs> and they like, they'll say like the first like few things like, oh, when so-and-so did this. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then I have to like spin a yarn, weave a tail. Let's see an AI do that. No. <laughs> yeah. Let's see AI do that. AI can't come up with a Texas story. AI can't come up with a story about you chilling with your friends and removing rollerblade wheels off and putting them onto skateboard wheels and then tying a lawn chair to the skateboard and riding it down a hill. My dad has a, an almost exactly the same story as that, but they used to go ice sledding 
like down mountain. They would literally get chunks of ice and blankets and like go down hills on them. And I don't know why that made me think of that. Is he from? He's from here. He's from Southern California, which is insane to me. That feels like a really old timey thing though. <laughs> like that. I know. That feels like something you see people doing in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so going to tell him that. Oh, my God. Like, that's like like a silent film. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you all so much for listening. I know I've been on a hiatus way longer than was anticipated. I think I went on a hiatus without even telling you guys I was going on a hiatus. So thank you all so much for tuning back in. If you like the Swell Shenanigans podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our Instagram. I know it's dead. It will come back to life. We just have to shock it with enough followers and then they'll make it come back to life. Ren, do you want to plug anything? It'll all be linked in the show notes, but do you want to plug anything? I do Twitch. I do art. I do a bunch of stuff. It's I can hit you with some links. We'll put it down in the thing. I, I'm actually very bad at promoting myself, so it's <laughs> I'm, I'm very bad at it, but I'll, I'll hit you with some links provided that you're okay with certain links you can drop the porn link it's totally fine i linked my friends only fans you you can drop the titties it's fine porn links going in porn <laughs> links going in thank you so much for coming on and thank you all so much for listening goodbye